0: Uh, I'm Renee. Yes. Renee, she is uh, my wife, and um, I pastor of the downtown congregation, and so Joel and I worked together, and last night in the emergency room, uh, he said, hey, 12 South is yours today. So <laughs> I thought that we would talk about Greek, hieroglyphics. and, uh, no, I'm kidding, Uh Downtown, we've all started a season uh, of studying the book of Colossians, which I believe you guys started last week as well, and um, really talking about the journey of how to frame our life in beauty. Um, We talk downtown about that beauty out of context sometimes is missed, but when we begin to frame beauty, uh, we begin to understand it and see it and celebrate it. And so the book of Colossians is really talking about framing our lives with hope, that hope becomes the frame in which uh, is revealed the beauty of who God has made us and who God is and his love for us. And so uh, last week uh, downtown, I really felt like I was kind of running in mud because hope is such kind of, it's a hard concept to grasp. You know, it's hard to say to people, uh, yeah, man, I'm living by hope. I mean, that's just not the language that I use. And trying to unpack this for myself, sometimes it's kind of hard. I was telling downtown this morning, I went into Starbucks on Monday, and I was tired and uh, had not had any caffeine. And the guy behind the counter, who may be here this morning, I don't know, uh, was way ahead of me on the espresso consumption. And so he goes, hey, how you doing? And I just was not into it. I said, hey, I'm not doing good. And he just stopped. And uh, I guess he's so used to everybody going, great, you know, that uh, he just kind of stopped. And I said, but I have hope. And he did not know how to take that. It, you know, that was worse than... You know, like, like, I left going, what did I mean by that? Why did I say that? What is... Anyway. Weird. I am weird. It is true. So, you got to talk into this, sweetie. Uh, so, in prayer... Um, I thought what we needed was a with hope with flesh on. we needed to talk about hope is not something we can just not we can 't afford to lay it down and say i just don 't understand it we can 't afford not to frame our lives with hope. Uh, it is one of the things that God has given us that is powerful for us, so we need to understand it. so uh, I thought, what better way to kind of give a living example of that? then to ask Renee to come up and join me and us talk about the role of hope uh, in our lives. And what you're about to hear is how two people successfully made a train wreck out of their marriage. Literally a train wreck. And, uh, and what hope has to do with that. So, how do you want to start?
1: Let me tell you how we. There's no sound. Power. We need Um, power. There we go. Um, Let me tell you how we successfully made a train wreck of our marriage and how we were on a collision course to uh, disaster. And our future was looking very bleak if we continued on this path. Um, I grew up in a home that was different than Randy's, very Mm -hmm. different. I would say that there are no two different people in this world than myself and my husband. And I wonder often um, why in the world... It's
0: because I'm good, you're bad. <laughs> is, that, is that what you were going to say? <laughs> oh. my I'm right. Um, I'm right. Okay. Um, now I lost
1: my train of I'm sorry.
0: We're two different people.
1: We're two different people. And I wonder often um, what God was thinking when he put two different people together. And I'll ask him that when I get in heaven for sure. Because it has (laughs) created such tension and such a rub in every area of our life. But it began um, with me coming from a family. The stuff that I brought into our marriage from our family was this I'm going to contribute. I'm going to be responsible, I'm going to do right, and I'm going to be right, and if I'm not right, then I'm going to hide it for sure. So I, I, hit Randy had no idea, in some senses, what he was getting into when he married me.
0: Yeah, and you know, <laughs> wow, all the women are laughing, all the men are crying in here. Good Lord. And you know, for me, here is Miss Do-Right. You know, president of the youth group and, uh, you know, making straight A's and yet uh, hiding. And here was, you know, druggy Randy, who my whole motto in life was, let's just have a good time. Let's have a great time. But what was behind that was my idol of being a people pleaser, that I was going to please everybody I was with. I was going to make you happy. I was going to do the things that made you happy. I just want everybody to be happy. But under that was the ugliness that I just want you to be happy with me. Like me, you know, support me, cheer me on. And so these two people were saved, and then God threw us together. And I remember it was funny because all throughout dating, um, you know, we were falling in love, and it was beautiful and it was sweet. And then we got married, and uh, the whole first week of our marriage, Renee cried. You remember that? Oh, yeah, that's right, you were there. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I was very stuck and I thought what in
1: the world have I done.
0: Well, that's not how you said it, but that's good for this morning. <clears throat> yeah. I could say. No, don't, please. So, I remember we were sitting at our little kitchenette, you know, we were both in graduate school, and she was going to school at night and I was going to school during the day, and she was crying full time. And we were sitting there and I just I said, "Okay, I What's going on? And you said. And I said.
1: I'm afraid if I say this, it's going to give it a lot of power, but I just think I better say it. I don't really think I like you all the time. Or very much. Uh, Even when I do like you, it's
0: not very much. Yeah, it was bad. Okay, so here's Mr. Everybody's going to like me. And I'm married to a woman who says, yeah, it's taken me about a week to realize I don't like you. (laughs) And uh, so, but here, let me add to the story because um, I was like, all right, now at least we know what it is. Let's dig into it. Let's get it. Let's, you know, what did I do? Because for me it was, did I do the wrong thing? Did I, Why? What? What happened? What did I do? I, you know, I've just been here all week. Why you been crying? You know? And I said, so let's get into it. So I'm asking a thousand questions, and I'm giving defenses. Didn't I do? did you know? Didn't I do? Didn't I? I was here. You know? I don't go out with my friends. I don't play golf anymore. I'm out here all the time. And you did.
1: I went to the bathroom and shut the door for an
0: hour. <laughs> because
1: <laughs> what I do is hot That's what I did. But I hid.
0: Yeah, I knew how to do in conflict. Yeah, it was beautiful. And
1: I was a marriage and family therapist. We got to understand. I used to work for counseling. I know that.
0: What we realized at that point, I grew up in a home of all boys, and as the middle of two brothers, uh, my home was uh, the loudest, the one with the best argument, or the strongest uh, gets their way. So my house was loud, there was a lot of rustling, there was a lot of backyard, settle this now. Uh, You know, it was just, you cannot be a wallflower in my home growing up. You just go for it. That's not the kind of home that Renee grew up in. And
1: my goal was to be a wallflower. To get out of it, my sister and my mother would go at it, and I was walking away, just being invisible, just melting into the wall.
0: Yeah, so we had two family systems that came together. We had two sin systems that came together, and they were counter to one another. Matter of fact, they uh, the, her sin and her family system poked my sin and my family system. And it kind of poked it well, and mine poked yours. Yeah, So we get through seminary, and...
1: Poking almost sounds too gentle, though.
0: Clubbing? Would that be better? The thing. Oh, gee, Wow. <laughs> it is, and uh, because it only gets worse. so we we graduate from from school. and uh, in the process of the next year, uh, we had Zach while we were in school, and then when we graduated over the next two years, we had Trent and Maggie. We had three kids in diapers. Uh, we moved to a new city. Uh, I started a new job. I was paid nothing to do the job that I was doing, so literally, we were poor. We had to save up to order Dominoes. I mean, it, literally, we never ate out. Um, and we lived in a thousand-square-foot townhouse with five people in one bathroom.
1: It was like a shoebox of a house with a salt box of a
0: bathroom. Yeah, and they, we couldn't heat it. We couldn't cool it. And... Uh, Life was now at this pace at which we could not keep up. And what was crazy about that is it's like everything in our lives was turning up the heat. Everything, nothing was easy. Uh, we had cars. You would love the kind of cars that we've had. Just junk cars that were breaking down and had weird smells to them. We had to heat our house. We would hang blankets between the living room and the kitchen just so one room could retain heat longer. I mean, just crazy stories. We were going through all the stuff that was just turning up the pressure on everything. And when that pressure got turned up, it brought our sin systems and our family systems to the surface in a very ugly manner. And
1: then Randy wanted a dog. (laughs) In our thousand square feet little house in, in Virginia, it's really cold and it snows. And when it snowed in the backyard, the dog quit using the bathroom in the yard. So he was in the house using the bathroom. The dog. The dog. Okay,
0: I just want to make sure. Bathroom. I didn't know that was, it was me. Yeah. All right.
1: With, the, uh, with all the children. So I was on the floor changing diapers, and the dog was in my lap changing the diapers with me. And Randy loved the dog. <laughs>
0: yeah, that was hard. Yeah. The dog had to go.
1: Finally, I said
0: it's me or the dog. That was a tough decision. <laughs> you know, because, because we laugh, but what had happened after five years of marriage, uh, I wasn't happy. And my, my idol that I can make you happy, my idol that if I just love you enough, then her life is going to be awesome, My idol that I can control this, I can make it work. I had come to the end of my energies. And really, what began to replace my idol was, I don't like her. And I blame her for how miserable my life is right now. And I don't want to be around her. I don't want to talk to her. Then ugly things started to come in. Bitterness, resentment, blaming. Blaming. All kinds of these funny little things started to creep in and started to to make roots in my heart and to flourish. And my living in fear and
1: love control only um, um, exacerbated the anger that I already struggled with and the fear of failing and... um, not being able to be a wife and a mother, and then that future fear
0: of what if we live this way the rest of our life. Hmm. So, the infamous night we were in the we saved up and got a babysitter and uh, went on a date, but we only got to the end of the street, and I pulled our uh, our Plymouth Voyager with shag blue carpet wow into the parking lot of the Fry Springs Beach Club Beach Club that's so appropriate because all it was was a pool in the middle of our neighborhood and they called it the Beach Club and I thought it was appropriate because we called what we had a marriage both were misleading and we pulled in there and I said I can't go out to eat I can't go on this date because you need to hear from me I'm through I can't do this anymore this is over for me we had reached the place to where we had hit bottom I had no more tools to get us out of the pit I didn't have any more tricks to make it work and I was miserable and I was blaming her and I didn't want to have anything to do with it anymore so
1: and I was blaming him because my expectation had been make me happy
0: Hmm. wow and I was convinced I could so how does hope step into this story? How does what we're talking about begin to come and breathe life where there is no life? Can, can we go to Romans chapter 5? If you have a Bible, uh, my Bible is on page 1096. That may not help you, but... <clears throat> Renee, you want to read that? Um,
1: Romans 5.1 Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope, and hope does not disappoint us because... God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us.
0: You know, hear that last point, because I encourage you that was in Romans chapter five. Wow. Romans five, one through I think it's verse five. That we hear one thing out of this hope does not disappoint. Because he, he is pouring his love out into our hearts. That the one thing that I want you to hear today is hope allows me to listen to someone who says, can you hear that I love you? Can you hear that I have love that I'm pouring out into the middle of your life that's framed by hope? Because, see, here's what's crazy is if you're hurting, if you're in a lot of pain, and I come to you and I go, I can help, but you don't trust me, what are you going to do? See, you're not going to you're not going to you're not going to listen to what I have to say, but if you believe this person who's who's saying, taking my face in the middle of pain and saying, "Look at me." And I know they love me so much that they love me more than they love their own painlessness, then I'll listen. So hope, having hope in the Lord that he loves me allows me to listen. And what do we hear when we listen? Go to Colossians. Now we're back in Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. And we talked last week, Dave did a great job of talking about that in verse 5, the faith and the love that springs for hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you already heard about in the word of the truth, the gospel that's come to you. Dave talked about that last week, how faith and love springs forth out of hope. Now go to verse 9. For this reason, since the day we've heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. Now listen to this prayer of hope, because this is what Paul is praying for us and for the folks that were in Colossae. Asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So there are three things that He wants us to have in the middle of our frame. Will, wisdom, wisdom and understanding. So, let's take just a few minutes and let's just talk about what are these three things? Because they're essential that if this morning, whatever your situation is, wherever you're at, some of you may be in a marriage that's where Renee and I were our first five years of life. You may not be married. Your singleness may be in a hopeless place. You know? Or whatever your situation, some of you, your life may be what you call a hopeless situation. Matter of fact, if some of us knew what some of you are thinking about in your hopelessness, we would probably stop the service right now to try to love on you. So listen through that ears that the one who loves you says, first of all, I want you to know and to be filled with the knowledge of my will. Now, being filled, that word filled, really talks about being consumed or being possessed or being taken hold of. Look over here in verse uh, 8 of chapter 2. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and de- deceptive philosophies, which depends on human traditions and the basic principle of this world, rather than on Christ. That word, uh, taking captive, means to be kidnapped. And what Paul is saying, be filled with the will of God. Don't get kidnapped by the broken philosophies of this world. There is a competition going on for your heart. There there are competing forces that are trying to win you over. One's trying to kidnap you. The other's trying to take hold, to win your heart for love. So what is the will of God? And when we talk about the will of God, you know, like, you know, do I get married? You know, do I go to work here? Do I go work there? Those are all great prayers about the will of God. But trust me, it's not those things don't worry me or they're not as hard as the known will of God. So what was God's will in our marriage? In that situation, when we framed and we violently pushed our marriage into the frame of hope, the first thing we had to ask ourselves is, what is the will of God, and will we let it consume us? And what was the will of God, Renee?
1: That we not be divorced.
0: You know, we laughed, but that was hard. I was through. And God said, no. I know this hurts. I know you're in pain, I know you're in pain, you're not going anywhere.
1: He also um, said, forgive. (sighs) And I can only forgive as much as I know that I've forgiven. I think about the story in Luke 7 with the woman who knelt before the feet of Jesus and washed his feet. You are forgiven much. You have been loved much. You are forgiven much. And Mm. um, we had to forgive
0: yeah, I think about the will of God, where He says, "Don't let bitterness rule your heart." That was pretty clear. Or, uh, "Don't hate."
1: Or, "Don't be afraid." Mm. That's a really hard one for me—is to not be afraid.
0: Or, how about the the uh, the will of God to love? He even says, "Love your enemies." which was a pretty appropriate at the time. And to sacrifice. And to give.
1: And to believe in the other one.
0: And to rejoice. Wow.
1: Even in all of our struggles. I mean, that's what Romans 5, the next part is is um, that we can rejoice in our sufferings because of hope.
0: Yeah, because see, here's the funny thing, is when we're in pain, when we're in pain, we want to get out of pain. But hope is the only thing that allows me to hear love, that allows me to stay in the pain and rejoice in it. Isn't it true? I mean, otherwise, I just want to get out. But when I need to abide in it, when I need to suffer through it, when I need to have perseverance and long-suffering in the midst of my struggles, because it matters, I need to frame that in hope and love. It's kind of like uh, Daniel in the lion's den. You know, when he was thrown in the lion den, you know, if that was me, I would just be praying to God and hoping that the lions weren't hungry. You know, but Daniel had a hope that was in something greater than his circumstance. He had his hope in the Lord, that the Lord of the world, who's made promises to me, is present here, and he sent angels to shut the mouths of the lions. But Daniel didn't know that was going to happen before he got thrown in. He just trusted that whatever God was going to do, it was good for him.
1: And even, um, I think about... Um, Even before Randy and I were married, we began that practice of misplaced hope. (laughs) Thinking He could make me happy. Wanting Him to make me happy. Wanting Him to um, fix everything. Wanted Him to adore me. You know, misplaced hope. And so we're here in the Fry Springs Beach Club. And God began the painful process (laughs) of moving our misplaced hope to a right place to hope in and that was only in the Lord
0: I, I like to describe it he was prying our fingers that we had a death grip on misplaced hope this marriage will make us happy <laughs> and what the Lord was allowing to have happen is he was allowing us to it was it was being exposed that your hope is in something that can't contain your hope of course you feel hopeless You know, it's like hoping that the Titans are going to win the Super Bowl this year No, I'm kidding. All right, I hope. But, you know, that it was in a a weak place. And he was saying, of course, that's going to be painful, and that's going to die because I'm bringing you to something better. Which takes us to the, the next one. He says spiritual wisdom. And what is spiritual wisdom? It is the ability to apply what we know is God's will. It's the ability to apply what we know is God's will. In Proverbs 9, verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And that fear is that I have reverence for the one who says, I love you. That when he speaks, my ears are tuned. It's kind of like when our kids were little, and they had a fork in their hand, and they were moving toward like a power outlet, you know, like this, you know, then us as parents would freak out or we would sit back and watch. That was really fun, you know. Watch. Look what happens to their hair without jail. You know, jail. No, we would, we would yell at them and say, Stop, stop, that's dangerous. And out of fear and hopefully reverence, they would stop and put down their fork. And the Lord is saying, Will you listen to me? Will you let me show you how to apply The the will that I have for you into your life, to smear it onto your life. For example, how do you forgive? How do I learn to forgive when I'm harboring bitterness? The Lord says, let me teach you. The Lord says when you don't forgive, it's not because your forgiver is broke. It's because you have a very small understanding of how much you've been forgiven. Explore the depth in which you've been forgiven and then you'll be able to understand the gift that you can give to others because you have it, you just don't understand you have it. For example, he says, if you, if you love poorly, he doesn't say go and learn to be a better lover. He says go and learn how much you are loved. For he who loves little is forgiven little. He who loves much is forgiven much. We love because we were first loved. That's what the gospel says. So for me, to take that into my marriage, I first had to understand this important point. This is all right. This is a bombshell if you're tracking with us. The problem was not Renee. Man, I, it was so much more convenient when she was the problem. Because then I could stay right where I was and point fingers of blame. Lord, I'd be so happy if. Lord, this marriage would be great if. Lord, 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 God, change this woman. And the Lord was saying, "Your hope is misplaced. It's you I want to deal with, because I'm going to work on you so much that you can even love your enemies. How much more are you going to be able to love the one that I've made you one with? So, because
1: spiritual, um, that yeah, we are. Uh, wisdom involves death." And I had to die, to um, me, 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 in order to really love Randy, in order to really forgive him, in order to really respect him. I had to die to the fact that that I was better than him, that I thought I was, or die to my desire to be right, or die to my desire to control.
0: Yeah. Wow. Hey, how much time do we have here? What time? Alright, okay. So, year two. <laughs> We've been married 47 years. We will go through every grueling year. Because no. listen to these words. And I want you to l- listen to them in the context of our marriage. And stay with us for a second, okay? We're almost through. Because I'm, a, I'm about to f- do a jujitsu flip on you. All right, Because I want you to stay with us in our marriage for a minute, but then I'm going to flip it into your life for a second. Okay, Listen to this in the context of our marriage. This is in 1 Thessalonians. Live in peace with each other. See, let me stop for a minute. I don't know if you've ever had a moment in your life where you were so desperately hopeless that you didn't know if you could even breathe or get out of bed the next morning. I don't know if you've ever been in a place in your life where you were so discouraged and you were so beat down and so dissatisfied with how your life is turning out that that tears, that's not even an adequate way to express the pain that you're feeling in your life. To where you feel like that in your heart somebody has taken a knife and scooped it out and served it to you cold. That's where we were. And I know we're laughing some this morning. But I can't describe to you the pain of saying, if this is what the rest of my life is like, I don't want it anymore. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays wrong for wrong. But always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Are you kidding me? Lord, you're going to have to teach us that one. You love me, I'm listening. Spiritual wisdom. Did you want to say anything else before we go to understanding? So let's jump to understanding. How is that different than spiritual wisdom? And oh, this is, this is really good, guys. Grab this. The word here, the Greek word is synesis. And it actually means to run together. It's two streams that have flown together as one and now are one. To run together. And what I want you to hear in this is what the Lord is saying is, you are not alone. Hope reveals that we're not only loved He not only has a will for us, He not only gives us spiritual wisdom to apply His will, but He says, I'm not just patting you on the tush and saying, Go get him.' I hope it works out for you. He's like, I'm right here beside you. I am running with you. You are not alone.
1: And it's, um... You're standing on my cord. Oh,
0: sorry. I knew it was my fault.
1: (laughs) We knew it all along. Um... (laughs) And he's, he's not just saying, he is saying, run the race together, you're never alone. But it is with the promise that he has put the Holy Spirit within us. So that's how um, we're, he is, through us, going to accomplish these things.
0: Yeah. It was funny, because uh, our hope is not in circumstances working out. Our hope is not that our marriage is going to become great. Our hope is in Christ and Christ alone. And he's the one that says, greater am I than anything in this world. He's the one that says, I work all things together for the good. He's the one that says, Randy, take your eyes off your marriage and put your eyes on me. I am greater than this. It's funny, our son in college uh, called me the other day and uh, we were talking and he had run out of money. I mean, imagine that, you know. And because he had, uh, had to pay his rent and he wrote the check and he didn't check to see if it cleared yet he goes hey I gave the guy a week and he just started spending money out of his account I'm like no son you can't do that all right so we were talking basic you know bank management and uh and I said well you're sure that check's going to come through and you're not gonna have enough money to cover it and here was the classic line from our son in Chattanooga well dad what are we going to do about that why did he say we Because he knew he was broke, but he was talking to Big Daddy Warbucks.
1: That's what he called you the other day when I talked to
0: him. (laughs) It's not that I'm rich. I'm just richer than him. All right. Do you understand that the Lord celebrates when we do that? Lord, I've come to the end of my strength. I've come to the end of my resources. I'm bankrupt. Paul says, in my weakness, I boast because it reveals his strength. Spiritual understanding is waking up, folks, to the reality that you cannot get away from Him. He is with you. And He is saying, I dare you to let your life reflect the reality that the King of kings and the Lord of lords is right here with you, working in you, and here's... All right, hang on. Working through you that which is well-pleasing in His sight. So, the only thing I would add to that and Renee and I obviously are still married, that God began to do some healing. Uh, But do you guys realize that every week we have to make the choice to push our marriage into the frame of hope? Every week. Even after 20-some-odd years of marriage. We have to do that. We have to exercise it. We're two sinful people that desperately need to be reminded of the gospel every day. So I'm inviting you on the journey of hope. That you would take whatever you're facing right now, whatever is going on in your life, whatever you have short-sighted yourself on that has robbed you of joy, contentment, or hope. And I'm asking you, would you dare to push it into the frame of hope? That God has a will for you. Let it fill you and consume you. He wants to give you spiritual wisdom on how to apply that to your life. And He wants to remind you every moment you are not alone. This is huge, guys. Your life matters. Do you understand that? No, Seriously. No, I'm serious. All of you, your lives matter. God didn't make a mistake when He made you. And He's asking you to dance the dance to the tune of His love so that you can live out what He made you for. We were made for more than hopelessness, weren't we? Let's step into the power of that. So, I love my beautiful wife. Sometimes. But her hope is no longer in me. So, can I pray for us? Lord, uh, thank you that through your word we can bring our lives to you and realize that you give us hope. And it's because you so desperately love us. That your will for us is not to do us harm, but it's to give us a future. To let hope come alive. And Lord, we thank you that our hope is in Jesus Christ, that in you... Jesus, every promise of God is yes. And that You are here with us because of Your death and Your resurrection. And we claim Your promises. That You have made us Your bride. And that You have celebrated us and that You are preparing a place for us. So that our hope is not just in today's circumstances, but our hope is also secured for the future. So let those things sing in us, Lord, and let us dance a dance of hope because we are profoundly loved. it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.